there's such a sweet anointing to praise the Lord. Nobody does it like Bob Fitz. Amen. Well, hi, how are you, church? Turn to your neighbor, smile at the neighbor, and say for the next seven hours. Privilege to sing beside you. Look at somebody else and tell them, I believe, I believe something good is going to happen to you in this service. Tell them, turn to your friend or your partner beside you. Bless them. This is the body of Christ, amen? We are meant to live together, love one another, Forbear one another, bear with each other, minister one to another, serve one another. The body of Christ is never meant to be uh, lived alone. It's meant to be lived interdependently. Amen? So when you are down, somebody else is up. And they'll pray for you. And as we pray in the Spirit, we are praying for each other. We are not know each other by name because of the size of this local church. But... It is truly an expression of God's love for each other when we are praying in the Spirit. Because you are praying for people and situations that you don't even know of. Amen? And I want to encourage you, if you can, pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues. Because when you are praying in tongues, you transcend your prayer, your prayer, your prayer in the English language or your known language. Because when you pray in your known language, you are limited to what you know, who you know, the situations you know about. But when you pray in the Spirit, you transcend all that. You can even pray for your future. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the house of God once again. Welcome to the Father's table. There's a feast spread for you today. It's a banquet. Amen. One table, you have peace of mind. Another table, you have blessed relationships. Another table, there's health and wholeness for you. It's just yours, free for the taking. But it's all paid for by the blood of Jesus. Amen. We learned last week that we learned about the strategies of the enemy, Satan. There is an enemy out there. And the most successful thing that Satan has done to this world is to make them think that he doesn't exist. Amen. Besides causing them to fall, causing Adam and Eve to fall, it's also to cause people to think that he doesn't exist. So there are people who, who are very angry with God when God is not the source of their trouble. Jesus said the thief, who is the devil, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Amen. Life more abundantly. As we look around us, you know, we think that life more abundant is all about having more money. Or perhaps it's having more likes on my social media, okay? Or perhaps it is to have fame, you know, these likes and all that, the craving for fame, that people all know who I am. But honestly, we see even today, as recent as the uh, last two months, we have incidents of a Korean celeb celebrity who took his life, commits suicide, and he, he's at the peak of his uh, career, He's, he's, he's got fame, he's got fortune, and many such like, you know, celebrities especially, you wonder why they get so depressed, because many of them are young, they are, they are, they are uh, wealthy at a young age, they are famous, and I'm sure that they are, you know, social media has uh, millions of, of likes and all that, and yet, 
many of them are either in deep depression or have taken their lives. We saw that, especially this past year, 2017. So it behoves us to ask, what is it that we really want? At the end, maybe, you know, after you get all the money that you think you want, and you believe that money will satisfy, or you want to get the fame, or finally you, you get both, you get fame and fortune, and then you ask yourself, how come there's still the empty feeling? I thought if I have more money, I'll be more happy. If I'm more well-known, I'm famous, I'll be happy. And yet, I'm not. Why? And that's when depression comes in. Because they have achieved everything that someone else, someone else would want to achieve in life, and yet, they find themselves coming up empty inside. That's when they really get depressed. It's not true, people, that more money means more abundance, more satisfaction, more fulfillment. But Jesus says, I come to give you life more abundant. Amen. Amen? So who is the one that's stealing from us, that is killing and that's destroying? The Bible says it's the devil. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And today we're going to see his primary way of his mother's operandi to see how he operates against you. Because we know he's the thief that steals, so everything good that's been stolen from you is not God, it's the devil. Amen. When God is fully in control of the earth, which we'll see in the book of Revelation, when there's a new heaven and new earth, and we will be dwelling in it, you see that there is no crime, there is no sickness, uh, uh, no, no hospitals, no, no prisons. Why? We'll be walking on streets of gold. Abundance is everywhere. Why, why, why then uh, we see not, none of these evil things? Because the devil is bound and, and, and after 1,000 years he's thrown to the lake of fire during the millennial rule. Nothing will hurt or destroy. That's when God really rules. When the Lord rules. It's a sampling for us. After the 1,000 years, the Bible says Satan is released for a while and then there's another rebellion and then finally God will throw him to the lake of fire where he's tormented day and night forever. So we look at this, this cunning person who was created as one of the highest intelligence of any creature that God has made. God made, I believe, the cherub. Now, we think of cherub, you know, he's successful in painting a picture of uh, a stupid cupid, you know, you're a mean guy, you know, the kind of like a, a, a chubby baby with an arrow that makes you fall in love. That's a cherub, but that's not a cherub. To God, a cherub is a very powerful creature. In fact, the greatest of all creation before man came. Okay, God made, don't forget, Satan is a created being. Because he is created, listen carefully, he is not omnipotent, he is not omniscient. Amen? God created him. Now, God didn't create Satan, God created Lucifer. And the Bible says when he fell, he took one third of his angels with him. So that tells us that the other two archangels, Michael and Gabriel, probably were in charge of another third and another third. Okay? So, uh, when the devil fell, one third fell with him. So God has two thirds, right? And he shall give his angels charge over you. No evil will befall you. The angels will bear you up in your hand to keep you in all your ways. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I believe that uh, uh, there, are, there are more angelic activities in these last days. And I'm sure that you can share testimonies of how you were protected, you and your loved ones. Amen. Like you feel like you're about to cross the road, you didn't see the, the, the car coming or whatever, and something pulled you back. Something pulled you back. I believe it's angelic activity. Amen. So there are more angels than there are demons. But we need to understand how the devil works because 
We'll be aware of those areas and then we know how to avoid it. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. Whatever the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of, we are not to be ignorant of. Like he, he writes, be not ignorant of spiritual gifts. So we should not be ignorant of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we should not be ignorant of Satan and his devices. Don't forget, last week, let's recap real, real quick. God makes the devil, or sorry, God made Lucifer, the covering sheriff. Say covering sheriff. Now the covering sheriff, the sheriff that covers the throne of God. So the throne of God has a sheriff, three sheriffs actually covering it. Michael and Gabriel, the other one. And uh, the throne of God is covered by this sheriff. The only other place we have this word, the sheriff that covers, is the Ark of the Covenant in Exodus 25. It talks about the making of the Ark. Here's a picture of the Ark. Notice there are two sheriffs covering the mercy seat. In the Old Testament, this is the throne of God. It's a picture of the throne of God. Wherever the ark travels, it's a mobile throne. You know, wherever God goes, victory is accomplished. Amen. All right, good things happen, blessings of the people of God. So it's only when they handle it wrong, okay, that, that, that uh, they, they face uh, calamity. Now, we find that uh, uh, the Bible is very clear using the words that sheriff that covers the mercy seat. So ingrained in this, the, the way God fitted them, for every creation of God, God also fitted them for the assignment that God has placed on them. On them. So the sheriff, the assignment is to guard the holiness and the righteousness of God. God's throne, of God's throne. Okay? They are assigned, got it. So when the devil fell, he still fancied himself as the custodian of God's righteousness. And therein lies the subtlety of it. He, he believes that, that he, 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 he is zealous for God's uh, uh, righteousness or the righteousness of, of the throne. In fact, he has no love for God. He, uh, he wants to usurp God's place. In Isaiah, he says that how you are fallen, O Lucifer, because you have said, I will ascend to the throne of God. I'll be like the Most High. Pride was his downfall. He actually aimed for God's throne. Now, we, we, we think about this and we always say that how in the world can anyone ever usurp God's throne, you know? But remember this, when God made the archangels he actually made the highest form of created intelligence. There must be something here that we need to understand. Now let's look at uh, I, uh, Psalms 89. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth, mercy and truth, go before your face. Now what is the foundation of God's throne? Righteousness and justice. Is the foundation of God's throne. So the, the, the cherubim, the first mention of cherubim was in the Garden of Eden when God uh, drove Adam and Eve out of the garden. They were stationed at the entrance with a flaming sword. So again, the picture of they are what? Custodians of God's righteousness. So when the devil fell, remember when he appeared in uh, the book of Job, he, 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 he actually accused Job to God saying that Job is not righteous enough. If God does this, then that Job will do this to God. As if he is jealous over God's righteousness. Because he still fancies himself in his pride that he's a custodian of God's righteousness. So all his devices against people is actually legalistic. You need to understand that. And the Bible says that he believed that because righteousness, the devil believes that if righteousness and justice is the foundation of God's throne, the devil knows that 
the slightest infringement on justice, the slightest reversal of perfect righteousness, whether it is punishment inflicted on the just or mercy accorded to the guilty, God's throne is overturned. The foundations are destroyed. Do you understand? In other words, God cannot even deviate from His perfect righteousness. And God won't. The devil knows that. Amen? So when God created man, and God loved man, the devil saw in there his opportunity to cause God, at least he believes, to compromise his righteousness. Now you must understand, when God said in Exodus 25 to build the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, notice that the, the cherubim and the mercy seat is made of one slab of gold. It's the same piece. It's amazing. They hammer it into shape. Bezaliel and his men hammered it into shape. And, and it's made of one slab of gold. The mercy seat and the cherubim, and the cherubim are actually one piece, one slab of gold. That tells us that God cannot, mercy cannot be, be exercised at the expense of righteousness. Because they are one piece. So the, when the devil saw how much God loves man, you, you, you want to see, if I cause man to fall, will God show mercy to the guilty? Will God accord mercy to the guilty? Because if God does, his throne will be shaken. He will open his throne. And you know who's next in line? He'll be the one. So it's not that he wants to bring more people to hell because he will feel lonely. It's not that he just hates you and, and, and it's a personal thing between you and him. No, you are caught in the battle of the ages. He, he's aiming towards God. He's aiming to be delivered from hell. More than that, he's aiming to take God's place on his throne. And don't forget, he's the highest created being. So there's something here that we are, we are still learning about. But we shared all that we had the message last week. We'll take this one step further in terms of your life and how he operates now. Now, I said just now, the slightest infringement of God's, or on justice on God's part will cause his throne to be overturned. But the devil never count on this. Cursed day and then go before your face. The Lord Jesus would come. God will send his son. The devil doesn't understand grace. The devil understands legal terms. The devil understands law. The devil doesn't understand grace. And that's the reason why in the book of Romans it says, and God, the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet shortly. In the same verse it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grace is the only antidote against Satan. Because when you say, uh, you, uh, uh, you're wrong devil, uh, I, I, I did this and I did that, he got you. Or you say, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, he's got you also. But when you say, alright, it's nothing to do with me, it's all got to do with Jesus and what he did, he's gone. Amen. The devil has no, no weapons against grace. And that's why he attacks grace, because he knows it's the only weapon against him. Now, let me explain. Grace is never exercised at the expense of righteousness. But because the devil never realized how much God loved man, and what was God's plan? God would send His Son, Jesus Christ. And Christ would come as a man. Hebrews 2. 
For as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise shed in the same. Jesus always existed with God, the triune God, the second person in Godhead. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Amen. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. As God, he cannot die. But if he partake of flesh and blood and confine himself on the earth, that's why he's the only baby born to die. Amen. He came to die. He came to have flesh and blood so that he died as our substitute, die in our place, die in, instead of us. Amen. So Jesus came with the purpose of putting flesh and blood so that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And how did the devil have this power? When Adam and Eve sinned, God already pronounced. He only has power because of God's statement and he's a legalist. He enforces what the, the sentence was. God says, the soul that sins shall die. The devil comes and enforces that. Because there's no power in the devil's own authority. All power is in God, but he enforces that. Likewise, under the, the, the Ten Commandments, under the law, if you do this or you don't do this or whatever, all right, you break it, the punishment comes, the curse comes. So the, the, the devil enforces that in the Old Testament, and therefore, man comes under the curse. In that sense, he has the power of death. So Jesus came that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So through death, Jesus destroyed death. It's like the Red Sea. When Moses brought the children of Israel before the Red Sea, the Red Sea was a hindrance, right? The enemies are coming. Amen. So even though they got delivered from Egypt, the, 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 they were still subject to the attacks and the onslaughts of the enemy. So the enemy was marauding close and they were coming really close and, and in front of them is the Red Sea. So what now? And God says, lift up your rod and God open up the sea. It's a picture of the cross because the Red Sea is a picture, that's why we get baptized in water. It's a picture of our death with Christ. Therefore, we are resurrected with Christ on resurrection ground. On the other side, Israel came out onto resurrection ground. This ground the devil cannot come to. The devil can only go to death and then he cannot cross. Why? Because that's resurrection ground. We, we escape the clutches of the devil. We escape, like Israel escaped Egypt through the Red Sea. The Red Sea is a picture of death. Through death, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. Amen. Can I have a good amen? Like David used Goliath's own sword to decapitate him, through death, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. So now we are on resurrection ground. Amen. You are a resurrected being in an unresurrected body. Amen. When Jesus comes again once, once again, all right, let me just tell you this, you experience perfect happiness, perfect peace, like never before, because you know why? You have a brand new body, and again, you will see what resurrection ground is like. Amen. But we are being resurrected on the inside. Amen. Now this body one day will decay. Either way, if Jesus comes, this body is not going to heaven. If Jesus comes when we are alive, He will transform our bodies before we are raptured. If we are in the grave, He will transform us before we are raptured. If you are scattered in the ocean somewhere, all right, all the cells, God has not forgotten where the cells are. 
Amen. God is not forgotten. We're even a minuscule. You know, God bring them all together again by the power of resurrection. Amen. But you are not going to heaven in this old body. So turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry about your body. <laughs> you get a new body. Amen. With good roofing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, we come back to this again. That through death, he destroyed him with the power of death and released those who through fear of death. Singaporeans understand this fear of death, right? Kiasi. <laughs> then comes Kiasu. Then comes Kiabo. <laughs> Kiabo for the American friends. Kiasi is fear of death. Kiasu is fear of losing out. And then Kiabo is best of all. The fear of your wife. <laughs> A lot of people say, you know, uh, I just don't like flying, I don't like to travel so much and all that. Actually, it's not that they don't like flying, they fear death. Therefore, all their lifetime, they are subject to bondage. The fear of death is the mother of all fears. It's not that we are afraid to fly, it's that we are afraid to die. So Jesus in his death set us free from the fear of death. Because the devil does not have the power of death anymore. The word destroy him is not to put him uh, out of existence. It's not to destroy him in the sense that, you know, uh, he, he no longer exists. He's destroyed. The word destroy here, in the Greek means to put him of no effect. He cannot use that anymore. He's, he's been put of no effect. Completely deprived of all power. Isn't that good? Amen? So the question is asked, and, 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 and uh, missionaries that go to uh, 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 the tribal areas, you know, uh, tri tribal people of, uh, of Africa especially, they say that they like to ask this question. That's what the missionaries say. In, 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 uh, in Africa, many of them in the tribal areas, they like to ask this question because they are familiar with the power of the devil. They know about witchcraft and all that. So many of them, they ask this question of the missionary. Why don't God kill the devil? Why don't God just kill the devil? Kill the devil, no more problems. You know? <laughs> kill the devil. Why does God kill the devil? So I'm, I'm gonna, I don't claim to you know, have the complete answer, but I think when you study the scriptures, you understand. Right? We saw last week that when God blesses the head of the family, God blesses the entire family. Likewise, when the, the head comes under the judgment in the Old Testament, right? you see uh, 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 situations like that where the entire family suffers. God said, God said to Noah, you, singular, have I seen righteous? Come, you and your family in the Doesn't say his family is righteous. Doesn't say Shem, Ham, and Japheth are righteous. But they are blessed in, his, in the Father. Likewise, Adam was the head of the human race. Jesus came as the last Adam, the federal head of a new species, of a new creation. Amen. If God kills the devil, he will wipe all sinners out of the earth. Because their destinies are now linked. When Adam bowed his knee to Satan, the nature of Satan infected. Okay? You must understand. He's now their king. To destroy him is to destroy all mankind. So God has been doing it in a way. One day the devil will be destroyed. But Jesus will have to come back first. Amen? He will destroy the devil. And he will throw the devil into the lake of fire where he's tormented day and night. Because he is a spirit being, he cannot be uh, 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 put out of like vanish, you know, destroy their sense that in the deep end, because it's a spirit, a spirit being is always eternal. When God breathed into man, God, God made a lump of clay, alright, because our bodies, and God breathed 
in the Hebrew, if you have the sound of a, a, a breath, Vaipa, God, Vaipa, God breathed into man, man became a living soul. Alright, he's just a mannequin made of the clay. That's why he dies, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But his spirit will either go to heaven or eternal, Christless, a Christless eternity. And, and that's why there must be a place to house men. Man cannot just vanish into existence because that part of man came from the breath of God. So likewise, I come back to this again, that Jesus has put the devil, put the devil's power to no effect. He has completely stripped the devil of his power to effect death. So we need not be afraid of death. He has released us who through fear of death for all our lifetime subject to bondage. We don't want to do a lot of things because deep down in our heart there is a fear of death. You, you know what I'm saying? Some people fear the doctor, alright? But actually what they fear, they fear death. They fear doing this, fear doing that, fear doing, going for checkup, fear for a lot of things because they fear death. Amen. So Jesus came to remove that fear of death. That's one of the seven reasons why Jesus came, why he died on the cross. Amen. And that's to put the devil out of commission. Praise the Lord! Next question is this. Okay, I want you to sit back now. I must show you this. This is God's love plan. When God sent His Son, this is what happened. Did God, did God compromise on His throne in receiving sinful men? Remember, mercy cannot be exercised at the expense of righteousness. So if man sinned and man is a sinner, how can a holy God, a thrice holy God, accept a sinful man into His presence? And making his son, let alone, uh, okay, uh, I mean, to accept one thing, but to make him his son, how can God do that? Yet the Bible says God is righteous in making us righteous. So sit back, dim the lights. I'm going to show you this because uh, we put a lot of money into this, so
Christ <coughs> crucified the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's something the devil never counted on. That God would love men. That God would love you and I so much. To the point that he would send his son. So that now, listen carefully, God did not forgive us like this, you know. He, he sort of like refused to look at our sins. And he forgave us out of his mercy. No! God's perfect righteousness took full note of all our sins. None escaped his all-searching eye. Every one of our sins, not even the slightest lapse, escapes his eye. They were all placed on Jesus Christ. It is not that our sins escaped. Our sins were all punished in the body of Jesus Christ. God, who created time, who of course lives outside time, He's the creator of time. He took all your sins from your past, right? When you were in your mother's womb, if you sinned then, even until the day you meet Jesus face to face, you were all born in sin, people. Until the day you meet Jesus face to face, He took all your sins and He placed it on His Son at the cross. So that all your sins were judged and condemned in the body of Jesus Christ. So God, today, when God extends mercy and God reaches out to a received sinful man, the Bible uses this language. God is righteous in making you righteous. God is righteous in making us righteous. Doesn't say God is merciful in making us righteous, but a judicial word. God is righteous in making us righteous. Because of what Jesus did, and God's righteousness exacted a full penalty from Jesus for all our sins. Jesus died in our place. Amazing grace. The devil said, I'll be like the Most High. I will ascend. I will, I will, I will. Jesus came and said, I came to serve God. And the Bible says he humbled himself, being found as a man. He humbled himself even further and took the form of a servant. And then finally, he died. The most horrible, shameful death. The death of the cross. All his step was seven steps down, and then God has given him a name. God exalted him seven steps up. Amen. And given him a name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee bows of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. Not at the name of God, every knee bows. At the name of Jesus, every knee bows. Amen. Are you listening? So, everything in heaven, Jesus' death has fully satisfied all the claims of a holy God. That He has so glorified God concerning the whole question of sin. Do you understand? That Jesus' death has so glorified God. In fact, the law was magnified and fulfilled at the cross. Every sin death cancelled. When he cried, finish, that was a mouthful. Amen. What is finished? Man's death towards God. All of man's sin cancelled. Amen. All of the, the devil's claims over man also cancelled. Hallelujah. All our deserving of death, grace, and hell, and even of disease and a, and a lousy, miserable, wretched life, all cancelled, even though we deserve it. It is finished in that Christ, all this cancellation. Amen. And the fulfillment of all that God has for us. 
It's all accomplished at the cross. I think in heaven we will still, we'll still discover what was accomplished at the cross. Well, one of the seven things that Jesus did in his death, there are seven things that he did in his death, the Bible tells us. But one of the things is to nullify, put out of effect, out of commission, the devil who has the power of death. And yet, if that is done, today we are accepted by God. How many, how many are saved in the house? Come on. How many are saved watching me right now? Amen. However you are watching. If you are saved, you shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say praise God. Praise God. You know, say, say, oh my, hallelujah. <coughs> okay, whatever. You'll be saved before the service is over. Amen. All you got to do is just call upon the name of Jesus. Not God. Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee bows. And that's why today, as believers, we have the power of attorney. That means you can execute business uh, in the name of the one who, who commissioned you. Alright, like lawyers do. And it all depends on how much power, how much wealth is behind that person's name. Amen. So we can say in the name of Jesus, disease, lose this body and let it go. In the name of Jesus. We use the name of Jesus and demons will have to obey. At the name of Jesus, every knee bows. Cancer bows. Depression bows. Amen. Are you listening, people? Alright, all kinds of bondage will have to bow to the name of Jesus. If there's a bondage that medical science can name, if there is a bondage that psychiatrists can name, if there's an addiction that, you, uh, that, 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 that the media people can name, whatever new name people they come up, at the name of Jesus, he's above every name. And every name will have to bow. The Bible says those, those in hell finally will have to bow and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Isn't the Bible? Every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will bow. It's just that when you confess Jesus in this life, heaven is your home. Amen? And in hell, there's no more hope. We came because He loved us. God loved us so much. For God so loved the world. Are you part of the world? Do you qualify the world? Then God so loved you. See, God's big heartedness, God reached out to the whole world. Amen. Now you must understand, God also respects laws, justice, judgment. God cannot just presumptuously throw the devil out because uh, God gave the authority of the earth to man and man committed high treason and gave it to the devil. God cannot just come in presumptuously and take it back like that because that will be breaking and violating his justice. God will have to do it legally. So he sent another man. Another Adam, if you would. And this time, like Adam was surrounded with everything good and still sin. Jesus was surrounded in the wilderness when he was tempted by the devil 40 days and 40 nights and obeyed. Amen. The last Adam never sinned. In him is no sin. He was a perfect sacrifice. <coughs> now, I want to bring this one step deeper, you know, to the question of, of what, what is the devil doing in your life today? Now, it's all something to do with something I've observed for more than 15 years now. As a pastor, as someone who is involved with people, pastors, pastoral work is you, you, you meet a lot of people, you deal with people. That's why it's called pastor, you know, from the word pasture and flock. And, and with the friends that I have, relatives that I have, and down to the years in my young life, I have had some experience looking at all these things. Plus, I also talked to some lawyers in our church. In fact, this conversation down through the years is very interesting. I've noticed, uh, please uh, reserve your comments for a while. Don't say it's unfair and all that. It's just reality. 
I've observed that women who have gone through a divorce, many, now I didn't say all, but I didn't say few either. I've seen many of them, in a matter of a short time or some time after that, they come down with some, some terrible you know, um, mental disorder or, or some physical disease, even cancer, and especially breast cancer, I don't know why. I'm just telling you I observed this for some time. Especially when they have been in an abusive relationship. More so for the women than, than men. I spoke to a lawyer friend and, um, and talking about this. He said, Pastor Prince, I can tell you almost like you can do a statistical study. That was what he said last time and before this message, I consulted him again and he was actually counseling someone at the time and he said the number of people who go to divorce and either they, they are, we understand the stress involved, it's a traumatic time, we understand that. But he said he knows a number of people who end up even with a physical disease. And he just stressed, notice that it doesn't affect so much of the men as much as the women. There's something about a woman's nature that is sensitive to accusation. That's why when a man is abusive, when a husband is abusive, the woman tends to suffer a lot more than when the wife, there are abusive wife and, and, and husband that I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <not> husbands. <laughs> but more so for women. So I observed this and uh, uh, verified again with, with my, my <coughs> lawyer friend recently about something he said some time back. We can actually do a study showing this. So I asked myself, what is the thing, you know? And with all this message that God is giving me at this time, He's telling me that the number one, the, the number one function or office of the devil today, not given by God, given by Himself. Of all the devices that He would, long before He can steal from you, before He can kill, before He can destroy, He accuses. His name, Pastor means in Hebrew, prosecutor at law. That's Pastor means. In 1 Peter 5, let's read 1 Peter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I like the word seeking and the word may. That means the devil can't just walk out of his, his house one day, he doesn't have a house, but you know, I'm just expressing. And just say, okay, I'll, I'll kill this one. Okay, I'll, no, he has to seek home he may. That's very encouraging. As far as you are concerned, keep him seeking. <laughs> Amen? And then he says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now, the word, your adversary, the devil. The word adversary is made up of the Greek word antidikos. Anti, you all know anti, right? Means against. Dikos is literally lawsuit. Vine says of anti dikos. Opponent, an opponent in a lawsuit. So that's the word adversary, an opponent in a lawsuit. The devil still functions in terms of legality. His language in accusing you is a legal language. Because you have done this, 
Because you have done that, don't forget what God said in His Word. Now, expect the punishment. Expect the sentence. Even though those are not exactly the words you hear, that is the experience a lot of people go through. And sometimes, unfortunately, it is held somewhat by the pulpit in terms of the preaching. When the, when the real gospel is not fully preached. Let me tell you this. The devil is a strong exponent of holiness, but not grace. Because he knows, he focuses on holiness without the grace of God. People think holiness is a deeper subject than grace. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Remember what we said? That an unbelieving husband can be sanctified by the wife? Even a non-Christian can be sanctified? No. The devil has so, you know, reverse the role of grace that makes you think that anyone who has grace, grace is good, hallelujah, we are saved by grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. But now that we are saved, we're going to be holy. Let me tell you this, if you understand grace, you will be holy by accident. You cannot be underwater and not be wet. Any more than you can be under grace and not be holy. When you touch water, you touch wet. You touch grace, you touch holiness. It's just a, a power within that you want to do what's right. You know, all of a sudden, I'm full of the grace of God. I remember one time, no one had to teach me this, you know. I, I don't find it in the Bible, not even in the book of Leviticus. One day I was in a bookstore, a Christian bookstore, and I, I, I just uh, uh, shoved a book back in real fast. It's not a book that I want to buy. I just scanned through it, and I realized I don't like it. I don't want to buy it. I push it back, I push it back real fast, and it got folded. Nobody saw it. Nobody but me and the Lord, right? But that day I was full of the love of God, you know, I just, I, I, I was just conscious of God's love and all that. And I look at the book and I think about the loss of profit in terms of the value of the book because now it is now folded, nobody wants to buy it, right? And I bought the book, right? But it's not in my library. <laughs> so there's a spirit of honor that comes, that goes beyond what these people talk about holiness, this outward show based on your dressing, your, the way you do your hair, or your, whatever it is, your language, or your title. I'm not against all that, I'm just saying it's not for show. Holiness is not for show. Sometimes it's between you and God. I scratch somebody's car, I have to put down a, 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 you know, a, a, a paper of my name and my, uh, you know, my, my contact number or whatever, because I owe it to the person. Nobody saw it. It's happened before also. So don't, don't come and talk to me about holiness. I'm just telling people who experience God's grace. Alright? I don't even want to say that. You know, and, and they are so unartificially, unassumingly humble compared to people who know bit how humble I am. I wear sleepers instead of shoes. <laughs> I used to, I, I came from last time, they used to have a, uh, an elderly man who came to preach. And he always, you know, he's always bent down like that. And he wears very simple clothing, and he goes up the stairs like that. And, and my friend told me, he says, wow, such a humble man of God. Now whether he's humble or not, I don't know. Honestly, because God doesn't look at the shape of your body, not, not your clothing to see whether you are humble. How about David? When David saw Goliath, David stood up, young boy of 17, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The Lord will, you know, he sounds arrogant, he sounds braggadocious, actually it's true humility. Hiding in cowardice is not humility. It's not trusting God's word. Sometimes we, you know, okay, anyway, I'm going on a, on a, on a, a strike train on you. Come back to this again. Okay, so, <laughs> it is an act of the heart. Our people love to give glory to Jesus. That's true humility. It's not this show, humility. One day I write a book called Humility and How I Achieved It. <laughs> Seven steps to humility. It's 
Boston, name a console I have. Should I put my face on the cover? No, 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 no. It's like when, when someone is trying to be humbled by the flesh, it sinks, doesn't it? You can tell it from a mile away. But it's wonderful to see someone and their face is glowing and they're full of Jesus and they give all the glory to God and they tell you, Pastor, it's God's grace. It's God's grace. I spent some time with someone like this uh, whom God gave a powerful deliverance not too long ago from an uh, indictment in court and all that. The Lord gave him a, a beautiful uh, uh, deliverance. Look at his face. He's shining. He's full of glory of God. Now, that's true humility. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Anyway, that's a legal nugget. It's free. It's free. Okay? So when the devil comes as an accuser, next question I want to ask is this. He's the adversary. By the way, Hasatan is Hebrew. The devil is, of course, in English, but the word in the Greek is, the devil is diabolos. Where you get the word for diabolical? Diabolos. Diabolos is actually, listen, to charge with the intent to accuse or to charge with the intent to hurt or destroy. This is very interesting. Because the word Satan is the word accuser in the Hebrew. You ask the Hebrew people, they'll tell you it's a legal term, a prosecutor in law. So the devil is a lawyer. Now, if you're a lawyer, don't take offense. The Bible says Jesus is also an advocate. 1 John 2 2. We have an advocate of the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. And a man is a powerful lawyer, he's a Jewish lawyer. <laughs> okay? So, don't, don't, but understand this. The devil uses legal terms. So when Jesus died on the cross and Christ finished, this is what happened. Revelation 12 took place. I believe that. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. Blood means what? There has been a death. And this is not ordinary blood. This is the blood Divine blood flows in Emmanuel's veins. That blood, when, you, when the devil tells you, you know, how dare you ask God for this kind of thing? How can you expect to have a life more abundant? How can you expect to be healed in your body when you've done this, you've done that? Just say nothing but the blood. The blood of Jesus. In other words, the blood gives you the right. Amen. Amen. The blood means all your sins that the devil accused you of have been paid. Fully paid! The blood of Jesus has fully met all the claims of divine justice. More than that, glorified God's throne. In the Old Testament, the high priest will come once a year, young people, day of atonement, you'll step into the Holy of Holies and you'll sprinkle before the uh, Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, seven times before the Ark of the Mercy seat and one time on the mercy seat. And then I read many years ago that Jesus also went to heaven. Of course, he's a shadow of the substance. Jesus literally, the high priest, forever went to heaven with his own blood, the Bible says, to sanctify the holy places with better sacrifices. So I think to myself, why would Jesus sanctify heaven? There are some places in heaven, some uh, book of Hebrews says, he went to heaven to, to cleanse, to sanctify some places in heaven. Why? The, the holy places. Why? If you ask questions like that when you read the Bible, I love to ask questions when I read the Bible. Someone ask, that's how it becomes a sermon. Ask questions like, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob. <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> 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 or ask questions like, do chicken have lips? Never thought of it, right? Think about it. 
Your chicken have legs. Okay, anyway. <laughs> no, I asked Bible questions, my joke. Today we have a real ball, not a sponge. <laughs> And I remember I was just fellowshipping with a brother and we were talking about life and things like that. I never expect the answer to come there and there. All of a sudden, not related to what we are talking about, God just dropped it back in the, the rock auditorium. I was standing uh, in front of your brother, fellowshipping, just catching up with him. And then God dropped the answer straight away. And I saw it straight away. Remember when Satan came before God in the book of Job, chapter 1, and accused Job, pre- I mean, he's pretending to be jealous of God's righteousness, and he accused Job, right? The devil can come to God before all the angels also. But God said to me that that position was actually Adam's. But Adam bowed his knee to Satan and gave him that place. So now Satan has the right to come to God using Adam's access to accuse men. But then when Jesus walked in, hallelujah, hallelujah, when he ascended to the blood, the Bible says like the high priest of the Old Testament, amen, he sprinkled the place where Satan stood. So that ground is not a redeemed ground. Satan cannot stand anymore. That's why the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and might have been. No, go back to the. Hello. Uh, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Can you see that? That the devil has no more access. So he has no more access to heaven. Don't think of uh, if any preacher tells you he goes to heaven and accuses you and all It's no more true. It was true in the old. But ever since Jesus died and rose again and brought the blood into the devil, has no more excess. Alright? It's cast down. Now, let me tell you this. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. So, we must sing about the blood, talk about the blood, preach about the blood. Unfortunately, you don't hear about the blood of Jesus anymore. Christianity has become a fig leaf religion. We're going to make sure we talk about the blood. Only the blood will defeat the enemy. Can I have a good amen? Cover your family with the blood of Jesus. Cover your car with the blood of Jesus. The devil understands blood. Blood has a voice. The Bible says the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Blood has a voice. When you cover your children with the blood of Jesus, you mean uh, the blood of Jesus, you actually send a message to the devil, hands off. He has no title nor right to touch that child. Cover yourself with the blood of Jesus before you sleep at night. Cover yourself with the blood of Jesus. Cover your dreams with the blood of Jesus. The devil knows, okay? You cannot touch anything with the blood. Hallelujah. Okay, I'll share with you. Many years ago, we rented an apartment uh, somewhere near the near a forested area. We rented it for a while, and Jessica was pretty small at the time. So at night, she would hear this buzzing noise in her room. So we, I, I went to her room and, and realized nothing, nothing untoward and all that. So I, you know, I said, no, I think probably just imagination as a child. But she would hear it again. So the mom and, uh, and the mom would come in with me and check, check, check out. We realized that actually there were bees in that area, and they were trying to come into a house. So what happened is that uh, at that time this revelation was very fresh in my, my heart and mind. I drew the bloodline of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I draw a bloodline of Jesus around this room, my daughter's room. And I tell you, she saw it, my, my wife saw it. One day, we went up there, like, like uh, one or two days after that. I looked down, and Wendy saw it, Jessica also saw it. In a line, the bees were all dead. They were bees and they were dead. 
The devil cannot cross the bloodline of Jesus. When you, when you travel, cover your plane without Jesus. You see me carefully, right? I, of course, I don't do things like... <laughs> <laughs>
Okay? So what is it about accusation that is so bad? Is this. When you receive accusation, albeit unconscious, you actually say, Jesus, you didn't do a good job. God, you're not satisfied with the sacrifice. Devil, you are right. That is what you are saying when you accept the accusation. Do you understand? It is evil. With the accusation comes the sentence. Sickness, disease, aging. It all comes on the heels of accusation. That's why uh, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew, the word sin, hatat, and the word sin offering is also hatat. Same word, same spelling, same word. You know, if you thought that, and sometimes the uh, translators, in some Bibles, they say this verse is sin offering, some say it's sin. They're not too sure. Like when Abel sin, a sin offering crouches at the door, or is it sin is waiting to spring on him? So, it, like, scholars themselves are not sure because the Hebrew word for sin and sin offering is the same word. So, I asked the Lord sometime back. So, I never asked the Lord things like, who lives in the finance world? I just asked the Lord questions like, you know, why is it like, one Hebrew word for both. And the Lord said to me, because every time sin is involved, in every day there will be a sin offering. Whether the sin offering of God's provision, which is Christ who became our sin offering, if you see Jesus Christ as a sin offering when you sin, your conscience will go at rest. You will see it's paid for. Amen. Not only that, it has a sanctifying effect that you're not continuing that sin. Amen. He will set you free. Not only that, because you love God, because you see the sin offering, you see the love of God for you. You see the provision of God. But if you don't relate to the cross when you sin, you will pay a sin offering. In other words, you will, you will offer it with your health, payment of your health. You will offer your family as a sin offering. Many of these is unconscious. You will offer the peace of your mind as a sin offering. You become depressed. You will, something has got to pay. You, you tell yourself something has, somebody has to pay. Something has to give. Whenever you sin, there is something God made you. Uh, 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 you know, you're a person, spirit, soul, and body. When man partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's conscience that he got. And that conscience, the Bible says, like the Ten Commandments, it tells you that you deserve now to be destroyed. You deserve to have the bad things in life. All right, the bad breaks and all that. You you deserve to be sick. Your child will come down sick. And something inside you says, you deserve it. Now, our medical doctors, would, science will tell you, they call it autoimmune disorders, when your body fights against itself. Okay? Your body is fighting against itself. You know why? People are not at rest, they're not at peace. So their body fights against themselves. It's called autoimmune disorders. Now, your genes are so intelligent that when you sin, you say to yourself, okay, somebody got to pay. You know, now, now I've sinned, I think something bad will happen. Okay? So your, your genes will say, you want something bad to happen. They, all, they are very smart. They will let's create a disease, let's create a sickness in his body to punish himself. He wants to offer a sin offering. He's not relating to the cross, right? Amen? Your, your body will just do what you want. And then the rest will say, yes, sir. The cells obey. You're fighting against, you're judging yourself. I'm going to give you a little example here, even though you might laugh, but, alright? Please see the truth here. This is one passage of scripture I'm going to show you right now that many preachers... 
you know, you know my kids, I, I hardly hear a preacher touching on these, these scriptures because I think I understand, but I'll tell you why. Uh, they, they, don't have, they don't know how to explain the word condemn. So I'm going to show you right now this verse of scripture. It's got to do with food and drinking wine. Okay? So in, in uh, Romans 14, verse 21 talks about if you drink wine and your brother doesn't believe in drinking wine, please don't drink wine in his presence because you will stumble him. Alright? If your brother doesn't believe in eating meat, don't eat meat in his presence. Don't do that. You will stumble him. Okay? Love is more important than your right to eat meat or drink wine. Are you with me so far? Then he says, Do you have faith? Heaven to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. The whole context here, take for the context, we talk about food. And yet we can learn something. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Now I'll tell you why a lot of people don't handle this verse. You know why? Because they can't handle the he who doubts is condemned. So those who don't believe in the grace of the gospel of grace and the efficacy of the blood of Jesus to save us forever. They will say, condemn is go to hell? You mean go to hell for food? That's an easy answer. So is this condemnation from God? No, it's not. Let me tell you unequivocally, clear, like a clarion call, this condemnation is there, but it's not from God. Let me prove that once and for all. Same word, this word condemn is the Greek word katakrino. And this word is used in Romans 8 to say, who is he who condemns? Katakrino. Condemns here is katakrino. Same word. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes up intercession for us. They say that uh, the, the Greek structure of this is actually like this. Who is he who condemns? Will Christ condemn us? No, he's the one who died for us. He rose again for us and is making intercession for us. So there's no condemnation for the believer. Amen. It's not from God. So what is this katakrino? When you, if you, and the Bible, talk, go back to the passage again. The Bible says, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. Whatever is not from faith is sin. There must be something. Let's say he doesn't believe in eating meat, but someone persuades him to eat meat. His conscience bothers him. Or drinking wine. Okay, someone says, okay, it's okay, you know, just drink. And he drinks and he condemns him. Is it just that he feels bad? Then the word condemn, kata, you know, the word kata is this, it's, 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 it's an intensified uh, form. It's serious matter. It's not to hell. That means. He might come down with some depression or disease or whatever because he's feeling guilty. He's condemning himself for eating. Now I know it's very, it seems like a small subject, a flippant subject, but if the apostle of grace put it down here, it must be lesson for us to learn, especially during Chinese New Year. <laughs> where we are eating. <coughs> Yesterday, now I got this message from God sometime back already, okay? But can you believe it? The preacher himself, the pastor who's gonna preach this message, Yesterday, my wife was passing, you know, in our family, some pineapple tarts, okay, for the American friends, like pineapple pastries, delicious, during Chinese New Year. Okay, so she was just passing out, you know, the pineapple tarts, and I was a bit hungry at the time, preparing a message for you all. <laughs> so I took one, and I popped it into my mouth. The whole thing went down, brother. 
<laughs> it went down, the whole piece. I didn't want to crack it, bite in, it went. I was that hungry. Then I took another one, it went in again. So I was talking, talking with Jessica and all that, and so it went back again, took another one, it went in. At the end, I just, before I realized it, <laughs> I have violated my law. I have a principle about eating pineapple tarts. No more than three. <coughs> it's not in the book of Leviticus. It's in the book of JP. <laughs> Don't laugh, you have your own book as well. That's why the devil now, all this, uh, uh, there, there, is a, there is a truth in all these things, okay, listen carefully. And I, I told my wife, hey, how many did I eat? And she looked at me, ah, don't, don't worry. She said, I think I ate about six, maybe even seven. <laughs> and you can, you can see the, the, the condemnation is happening there. <laughs> Amen? And, and, and something in me feels guilty. I shouldn't be doing this. Somewhere in the back of my mind, there is a belief, a wrong believing, that if you eat, if you ever eat, not even once a while, if ever you eat seven, <laughs> expect to be fat. <laughs> 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 Next time, the congregation will not see your face first. They will see your stomach coming out first. <laughs> you deserve to be fat. <laughs> you know, and, and, and cholesterol will build up. This will happen. It's like, I read it somewhere. Like, all this wrong believing is all of us reading a lot of stuff that's available on the internet and all that. Somehow I felt bad and I told her, oh, I feel bad. And she looked at me and she said this. And I, I read about this message from God. You can see sometimes message and being related to it. And she says, darling, want to eat, eat in faith. She doesn't know I'm using this verse. <laughs> want to eat, don't, when you eat, don't condemn yourself. It's like, boom, the light came on. My son, Justin, his latest prophecy was this. Would you like to hear? I asked him the other day, if he doesn't have, he'll say he doesn't have. I can't explain. But this time, he said, yes. I said, what is it? He says, heavenly light, heavenly light is better than any light in the whole world. Oh. Exactly word for word. And I, I went with Wendy later on, and Wendy was there. I went to her, did you ever teach, like, you know, in your, Wendy reads to him a lot before she sleeps and all that. I said, do you, do you read stories about heavenly light? It's a language that people don't use. They use it like Charles Spurgeon time, you know, 18th century, 19th century, you know, heavenly light. Today we say wisdom, right? But heavenly light is better than any light in the whole world. The light from professionals, experts and all that cannot compare with the heavenly light. Right? We come here for heavenly light. Like in the tabernacle, there are people of Israel enjoying sunlight, natural light. And then there are those who go deeper in the holy place and they enjoy the light that comes from the candelabra, the menorah. That's the church light. But then there are those who go into the Holy of Holies and there's no lampstand there. There's no candle there. But it's so bright, brighter than the brightness of the sun. You know why? It's Shekinah glory, heavenly light. Long before you consult professionals, nothing wrong with consulting professionals, but consult the heavenly, God's heavenly light. You need heavenly light. Oh, I was like goosebumps. Amen? So here we are, back to it. Pineapple. Who lives in a pineapple? <laughs> <laughs> no pineapple stories today. I felt condemned. Now I, I have this. I'm, I'm preparing this message. You know what I'm saying? And here I am. I'm, I'm receiving accusation. Why? Because somehow ingrained in my thought uh, many years ago, or I read somewhere that if you eat 
You know, look, people, you're not going to be fat because you ate seven in one day, alright? It's what you do for a lifetime. If every day you eat seven, something is wrong. Yes. <laughs> but we, we are such creatures that are so vulnerable to accusation that even in this area, the, the, the Bible says that if you doubt when you eat, you come under the sentence katakrino that's outside there already. The same word katakrino is used when God says, partake of the Lord's Supper, Worthily. Because God doesn't want you to be condemned, katakrino, with the world. So, in the context, the condemnation is that God doesn't want you to die before your time. God doesn't want you to be sick. Because this is the katakrino that's outside there in the world. In the world, it's normal to be sick or to die before your time. But in the context of the Lord's Supper, God has given you a provision where you don't have to be sick, you can be healed. Where you don't have to be weak, you can be strong where you don't have to fall asleep before your time, but you can live long. So, God doesn't want us, in the same passage, to be condemned, katakrino, with the world. Now, is that from God? No! It came the sentence when Adam sinned, there is a katakrino released in this world. Amen? The sentence is that when you sin, on the, on the heels of your sin will come a sin offering. In other words, you will offer the health of your body, the health of your mind. Some, some people sabotage their relationships, you know, there are guys who cannot get close or intimate with someone and, and, and they go from girl to girl to girl to girl I mean they can, they can uh, do things physically, they can have sex and all that but they cannot be intimate Why? Because they feel like they don't deserve love and all they can is just a superficial kind of physical relationship They don't realize they are, they are sabotaging themselves because of some belief that came into their heart when they were young Something came in So every time they get close to someone, someone loves them, they sabotage it can be a female also. They sabotage it. There are people who sabotage the relationship and they don't know why they are doing it. Because deep down they don't believe they deserve a healthy, intimate relationship. So when you eat, you say, no, I don't, I don't, I cannot expect to be healthy. I cannot expect to be slim. You know, I'll be fat, old, and ugly. <laughs> the church will see my stomach long before they hear me come. <laughs> There'll be a button open and you'll see the navel. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, anyway. <coughs> Forgive me. Alright, behave. Listen. Is it just a simple thing of accusing and the person feels bad? No, I think there's more than that. The devil knows it. That long before he can still kill and destroy. Because he, they need you to affirm, yes, you feel guilty, you accept it. In essence, what you're saying, you don't realize, you, when you accept accusation, you're saying, Jesus, you didn't do a good job. It's not finished. God, you didn't, you're not satisfied what Jesus did. And, devil, you're right. That's what you're saying. So what's the defense? The defense is in the gospel. We confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. When devil tells, you know, when you eat seven pineapple tarts, you got to say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. <laughs> Amen? Amen! Now, someone who hears me like this, like, oh, what's the free? You're telling people they can just do whatever they want. People are not stupid like you, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, I revoked the last statement. <laughs> people are not stupid. They know. Look at my testimonies that I've shared, you know, my, all my uh, books and all the testimonies you've heard and all that. You know, they become holy by accident. When people confess, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, many a times they don't want to sin after that. But the thing is, if the devil is accusing them of what they have done wrong or what they have not done right, 
the position is, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Legal term against legal accusation. You cannot just say, oh, God loves me, so devil, I don't care what you say, God loves me. It's not just that. You must answer with a legal answer. And the legal answer is, I am the righteousness of God. Righteousness of God is a judicial term. Martin Luther says, said it like this, I love it. Jesus, you are my sin. I am your righteousness. Powerful statement. The divine exchange took place at the cross. Jesus became our sin, took our place. I become his righteousness. For me not to take my righteousness is to say Jesus didn't become my sin. It's to negate the work of the cross. Are you with me so far? You understand? Okay, let's look at First Peter again. So, uh, the, go back to the story, let me finish it. Romans, Romans 14 again. So, because he does not eat from faith, whatever is not from faith is sin. So, this coming Chinese New Year. If you want to eat your pastries, eat in faith! <coughs> let me tell you this, when you eat in faith, everything in you will be at peace. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this food. Bless the Lord. Amen. Eat it. You don't condemn yourself, you won't be fat. Amen. Let me tell you about diet, okay? <laughs> That's why they have a D-I-E there. Uh, without the cross at the end, you're in trouble, brother. <laughs> let me tell you about diet. Your body doesn't understand diet. It's a new invention, okay? Now, let me say, at first, I believe in exercise. I believe in eating well. Okay, put that aside. Now, let me tell you this. The people diet, all kinds of diet are coming in, and many of it, people are pushing their, their product. Okay, one time coffee is bad, another coffee is good. And new studies, coffee is bad. Coffee is good. Coffee is bad. Coffee is good. <laughs> Listen to the spirit! <laughs> chocolate is good. Chocolate is bad. Chocolate is good. Chocolate is bad. Chocolate is good. Listen to the spirit! If you eat chocolate, maybe your body is craving for sweetness, okay? And maybe your, your body needs the sweetness. I know, I understand the diabetic uh, discussion nowadays and all that. But maybe your body has a craving for it. Your body under, you, I mean, let your body have it, it's okay. Eat it, amen? And then, you know, you can put it into the fridge. Don't have to finish everything, but personal waste. <laughs> Where do you hear that from? Uh, I, I just think it's wasted. You know, you got it either from your mother or your authority figure that tells you, don't waste food. You know, you, when you're young, you understood one thing. Hunger and fullness. When you're hungry, you eat. When you're full, you push it aside. Even my son, when he's full, enough with him. Okay, we gotta obey that because, you know, you cannot just force him to eat. Amen. But there's something about uh, parents, you know, they think that, oh, you didn't finish your plate. Gotta eat it. Alright, finish. Think about people in Ethiopia. I'm sure Ethiopia does nothing to eat than you. You don't know why. Alright, you're swallowing up. <laughs> but there's this waste. It's waste. Let me tell you this. If you think about waste, I'll tell you what, it will go to your waste. <laughs> so somehow we grew up with this. Even though we're 60 years old and all that, we still have this impression in our minds, wasted. No. You can just eat what you want. If you feel full, eating that bar of chocolate, wrap it up, then put it into the fridge. Okay? It's okay. No condemnation. But when you eat, don't like, I want to eat, I feel so bad, I feel, I feel so bad. You're condemning yourself. Alright, and there's a sentence that comes. You'll be depressed at the sentence, the sickness or depression. That's what it's saying. Well, this verse all means nothing. Okay? So, Chinese New Year, eat. And, 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 and I really dislike this when I see, uh, I, I tell my pastors all the time, when people offer you food, I know you don't like to eat sweet things, okay? Some pastors really don't eat sweet things. When someone offers you, eat it. It's, it's uh, rude when someone offers you, okay, and you don't eat. Because I, I, don't like, I, I don't like sweet things. 
But if they pass it to you, eat it. I have a verse for you. The Bible says, what Jesus says, whatever house you enter, whatever they set before you, eat it. <laughs> Jesus said, eat it. Oh, Pastor, I, I believe that people are suffering because they don't have the Mediterranean diet. What's that? Mediterranean diet. Where do you get that? Well, well, uh, uh, there are studies that show that, that uh, Mediterranean diet is very good for your heart and uh, for your body and all that. Okay, we are Singapore, we don't have Mediterranean diet. Okay. Uh, yeah, we should eat Mediterranean diet. That's what Jesus ate. Jesus ate Mediterranean diet. If that is true, and that is true, that's what he feed up bread, hummus, salad, a lot of salad and all that. And that's good, I, I, I agree. But let me tell you this. Jesus healed so many people in Israel. Those people will never eat pork. Those people will never eat, you know. Those people will never eat anything that's not kosher. Yet, many of them were sick. Because the Bible says Jesus healed everyone who was oppressed by the devil. It's got nothing to do with what you eat. It's the devil behind sickness. You cannot use natural things to fight a supernatural being. You use the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, your spiritual position in Christ. You understand? So those who promote that kind of thing, right, promote their books or whatever, let me tell you this, a lot of people in Israel, they were all on Mediterranean diet, and there were a lot of sick people during Jesus' time. Yeah. Like, well, you know the problem is because we eat too much meat! What? Too much meat! Tell that to Pastor Lawrence. <laughs> I tell you, every time I can't, and most of the time I cannot finish my beef, <coughs> I pass it to him. Before I know it, it's gone. It's gone, it's gone from his plate also. This guy is a meat eater, okay, Pastor Lawrence? Because of his biceps. <laughs> this part is expanding. <laughs> this part here, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> During war time, you can't take a shot on him. Anyway. <laughs> go back to Eden diet. Have you heard that? Let's go back to Eden. It's all vegetables, fruits, legumes, beans. But the problem is this. The world had a rakia, a firmament. It covered them from all the elements, the harmful rays of the sun. But the rakia broke Noah's blood. And the earth is tilted. That's why the earth is up, right side up. There'll be no four seasons. The tilt makes the four seasons. So it was tilted to congeal the excess flood waters to the North Pole and South Pole. If it melts again, there'll be a neutral flood. But there won't be a flood anymore. Now, it tilted. So, the earth is no more the same. And then God told Noah that they should, he should eat meat after the flood. So God knew about something about, about the, the, the protein of animal uh, protein that we need for our bodies. I understand you can get protein from plants and all that, but I go by the Noahic. We don't live in Eden anymore. It's a fallen world. Okay? Never mind. Keep preaching the praise, hallelujah, amen. But don't keep eating meat, no, every day eat meat, 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 you know? You end up looking like a lot of meat. <laughs> and don't forget, it expands your muscles but shrinks your head. <laughs> so, okay, back to this. Come on, don't distract me, okay? Go back to uh, First Peter 5. We are bringing this to a close. Alright, so resist the devil. Steadfast in the faith. The word resist in the Greek is the word antihistamine. Isn't that interesting? Antihistamine. Resist. If we get the word antihistamine, the doctors give you antihistamine for your your flu or your allergies, right? Antihistamine is withstand. How do you withstand the enemy? Steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There's something about 
about brotherhood and sisterhood that God wants you to learn in this warfare business. The devil wants you isolated. He wants you to think that your problem is uniquely your own because you are a strange person. You know your friend, they're all happy and all that. You are strange. You see the thoughts that go through your mind. And only you have this kind of thoughts. Only you wake up in the middle of the night. Only you have this depression. Only you. So the promise is, is this. The devil likes to isolate people. And that's why the Gadarian demoniac, he was all by himself, all alone and all forlorn, all sad by himself. And he was cutting himself suicidal and all that. But notice he was by himself. It's the work of the enemy to cause antisocial behavior and also to isolate you from people. Now you think that we are more connected. Actually, we are more connected in terms of social media. <coughs> we are less. We are less in touch. We're not communicating. A lot of words. And yet we are lonely. Put the phone down. Talk face to face. There are people around the table that still communicate. And I see my pastor's doing that. Put it down. I am here. And you talk to one another. Across the table. People are taking it. But nowadays people say, it's the Bible, pastor, it's the Bible. We are less connected than we realize. Even though we are, we are, you know, like online with each other. It's sad. We bypass the face-to-face intimacy and that relationship. Anyway, that's another thing altogether. But if only we can sit down, and pastors do that a lot. We pastors, we have learned to be vulnerable to each other. I'll, I'll tell them, do you wake up in the middle of the night? Like, uh, for no reason you wake up and you can't sleep. And you start having bad thoughts. You know, bad thoughts about your family, bad thoughts about the future, bad thoughts. And you feel like you are, you are you know, like a dark, a dark thought come dark thoughts come on you, you feel that way? Then someone says, hey pastor, these few days I feel the same way. You know, so in that brotherhood, there is that, that expression and you realize, hey, I'm normal, I'm normal, I'm also normal. Amen? Oh, we are all under attack, let's pray for one another. You need that brotherhood in a care group, it's one of the best places. You need to be connected with God, God, God wants the church to be uh, uh, relational. It's not meant to be lone ranger, even lone ranger got control. Alright? <laughs> but, but God wants it to be Related to each other. Amen. Can I have good amen? amen? So don't just come to church and go off, you know. Get connected somehow. Get connected in a care group or in a, in a ministry. Get connected. <coughs> amen. Get people you can call, call on when you are down or whatever. And, and when you share, something happens. Even half the burden is, 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 is uh, lifted when you start sharing. Amen? The rest of the <coughs> Sisterhood is the same. God wants you to have. So that last part, keep that in mind. Now go to steadfast, resist him steadfast in the faith. Now what is steadfast in the faith? Steadfast in the faith means, and I'm bringing this to a close, steadfast in the faith means, stand tall and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the righteousness. Well, how do I know that this is referring to righteousness by faith? Because I'll show you one more passage and then we'll close. Go to Galatians 3. The word, the faith, resist him steadfast in the faith. Definite article. Today, look up here. Today, when people ask you, what is your faith? You say, I'm a Christian. But that's not the way Paul used it last time. When he put the faith, definite article, is always justification by faith. So here it says, but before faith came, before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith will afterwards be revealed. Now, before faith came, there's a definite article there, the faith. What is missing? Here in English, but actually in the Greek there is the faith before justification by faith came. Pastor, how you know it's referring to 
justification by faith. The next verse, the context. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The whole context is justified by faith. After, after faith has come, again, after the faith has come, justification by faith has come, we are no longer under the law, under the tutor. So you know what you're saying when, you, when the devil comes to accuse you? When you're sleeping at night, the devil puts bad thoughts on you, or bad imaginations. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Something happens. Because just that when you say, yes, I'm guilty, or you accept it, you come under that saying God is a liar, or the, the devil is true, right, and God is not satisfied what Jesus did. Likewise, when you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, you're saying a mouthful, you're saying, God is satisfied with what Jesus did. Jesus offered a perfect offering on my behalf. His blood has fully met all the claims of justice. Amen. And I am righteous because Jesus did a perfect work. He became my sin. Now I take my place as righteous. The moment the devil knows that, he flees from me. Because listen carefully. If the devil slandered the righteousness that took full note of all your sins, not one of them escaped and exacted a full penalty for all your sins. And yet, if the devil slander now that throne of righteousness of God, now righteousness is to, to declare you justified. It is unrighteousness to declare yourself not justified because of what Jesus did. So if you take sight from what God has said, amen, about you, you are justified. And the devil comes to attack your accusation, you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, whether verbally or inwardly, all right, you know that, Something happened to the devil. Now he becomes guilty. Listen, in the court of justice, if an accuser accused someone falsely, the accuser becomes as guilty as the person he's accusing had the accusation been justified. Let me explain. If, if an accuser is aiming to say someone, he's, he's like, like accusing someone of murder. Do you think it's just murder? No, he's saying he deserves death. He's aiming for his death. The accuser is aiming for his death because murder carries the death penalty. Now, if the whole charge is false, now the accuser becomes guilty of the same crime because he's aiming for his death. Now he's a murderer. So the moment you take a position saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, the whole thing falls back on the devil. He dare not handle a Christian like that. You understand? Because he would have to bear the penalty. Follow said, and that's why close with no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Don't condemn the person saying it. If your husband says something to you, and by the way, please, please don't after this message and all that, go to your husband and punch you, say something to you. Huh, God abuse me, are you? I bind that in Jesus' name. I bind you in Jesus' name. I tie you up in Jesus' name. Send you to hell. Please don't go there, okay? Don't let your husband personally can. You don't know what we do, abusive, you know, relationship and all that. If you are in one, and there are ladies who, are, who can remain in an abusive relationship because they feel that they deserve it. I don't, know, I don't understand that. And, and, and God, God loves you. You know, don't, don't remain in an abusive relationship. Now, if you are married, go for counseling. I'm referring to those who are dating. So there's something about this, this whole scenario about accepting guilt and falling sick or mentally depressed and having psychological problems and declaring to the righteousness of God in Christ. But at the same token, what comes on the heels of righteousness? Health, wholeness, peace, stability, poise, 
power, peace of mind. Powerful. Every time the writer against you, whether you read about it, but you hear the devil tells you something accusatory, or someone, the devil uses people a lot. When you see all those words coming against you, just say, I condemn all those words. Don't condemn the people. I condemn all those words. I reject them because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You know what I'm saying? Now that doesn't cover people who correct you because they, are, they love you. People improve you because they love you. So listen carefully and don't, don't go on a tangent on this. But many of times the devil uses people to accuse you. And it's very general. You know, they accuse you of things that you haven't done right or, you know, just accuse, accusing. Just say in Jesus' name, in your heart, I reject that. If you live in a relationship with someone like that, say, I reject that in Jesus' name. Or your mother has passed away or your father has passed away and growing up, they say, you are, you're useless, you're always, you're always dead. And now it still haunts you, say, in Jesus' name, I resist that. You don't have to condemn your father or mother. Just resist that those words. Shake it off you in Jesus' name. And say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And the father prosper. Because the thief will have to stop stealing, killing, and destroy. As far as you are concerned. Because you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Father, that you shine in all those dark places, Lord. 
in the dark recesses of their mind where it's hidden from even them. Father, I pray you will shine your light in, Father. And set your people free. Lord Jesus, you said, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the freedom that can come only from you. In Jesus' name, we thank you for this freedom. And Father, I pray in this coming week, you will place your people at the right place at the right time, enjoying your free favors, Lord, your goodness, Lord, enjoying your favor with everyone as they go uh, visit and as they go places and all that. I pray, Father in heaven, that you will always put them at the right place at the right time. Father in heaven, protect everyone under the sound of my voice through the blood of Jesus, to the angels you station around them like a wall of fire, them and their family members. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that throughout this week, everyone under the sound of my voice with their families will be guarded, protected by the, by the angelic ministry, Lord, like a wall of fire around everyone, delivering them, Father, from every onslaught of the enemy, be it Lord, sickness, disease, accidents, harm, danger, or the power of the evil one. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name we ask. And all the people said, Amen. God bless you. Think about and be sober. Be aware. God bless you.